Matthew Hoppy and Hoppy's in for Schalke. Magnificent finish. Amina Reeks run meanwhile here. Looks for Hoppy again. Oh my word! You cannot write this kind of script. Blau und weiß sein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute. Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke podcast. This is episode 115 of Schalke America, and I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Uh, joining me, as always, on the show is Jack Mangan. Jack, a very special deadline day episode, also known as our normal Monday slot. How you doing, man? Dude, okay, yeah. I wish there was uh, more that took place on the deadline day that we were going to be excited about. At least, I don't know. Well, I guess I don't know what your opinions are yet, but um, it was uh, it was more just things that happened as opposed to things that we can really be encouraged by and some things that didn't happen right we we kind of we're kind of expecting some moves to happen and some did some didn't uh we can get all into that but uh there was a little matter of uh a game that we had this past weekend that um started well didn't end well uh it was very much uh reminiscent of our 2020 campaign or last year's campaign uh so obviously we're talking about the game against bremen uh, and looking at the lineups of this one, this one we would be at home with a newer pitch as opposed to the, the game, the, the turf that was out there for the Bayern matchup. Uh, to start with the with the road team's uh, lineup, uh, they came out in a 3-5-2, uh, Pavlenka in goal. They had a back three of Velkovic, Toprak, and Friedel. Uh, midfield five of uh, Gibra Selassie, Bittencourt, Egestein, Mbom, and Agu. And then up top, they had Schmidt and Sargent. Um, starting off with that lineup, um, you know, Egesin is somebody who we've also known for a while, uh, who's always tormented us. And Bittencourt's another name that's uh, a guy who's been playing well against us. What was your initial thoughts of the of the lineup when you saw for the road team? Uh, Milo Rashisa, another guy that I always like whenever I see him, or at least yeah. whenever I see him against us. Yeah. Uh, he started on the bench, but ultimately came on later. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting just from the American perspective because it's it's two German teams that are both featuring an American striker, which is just kind of weird to see. Um, so, I mean, for, for all of the, the, the this U.S. men's national team fans that, that were watching this game as neutrals, uh, I hope those people get the help that they need uh, because they need help. Um, anyone, like, voluntarily watching this game uh, with no club affiliation. Anyway, um, yeah, but, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's probably mostly what we would have expected, and a lot of names we're familiar with in there as well. Um, I, I think – a couple of the talking points are still on the Schalke side more, in my opinion. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting how the uh, I was like at the opening just before the opening kickoff, uh, you see Sergeant Small end up with somebody and and giving Dap and like who's he talking to? Oh, Hoppy, of course. Who else? Right, two Americans there. Uh, looking at our lineup, uh, went with a a four two three one uh, Fairman and Ned once again back for uh, similar as last week as Becker, Kabak, Nastasic, and Kolasinac. Uh, uh, two holding midfielders of Stambul and Mascarell, and then an attacking trio of Shof, Ut, and Harit, all led by Matthew Hoppe. Um, curious on your thoughts on, on this lineup for, for Schalke. Fairly standard lineup, but um, curious what your thoughts are with Mascarell and Shof being in the lineup. Yeah, so no uh, no Williams, so the new man doesn't get in right from the start. Uh, no Klasian Huntelar uh, from the start there either. It's once again Matthew Hoppe up top. Um Shop, I, I continue to like never really know how I feel about him. I have such a love and like hate relationship with this guy. Like he'll have like a game or two where I feel like he he's providing some utility and putting in a shift and he's contributing to some good things. But 
Um, it, it seems as though like for him to really be effective, there needs to be like that sort of structure around him. The team needs to be playing like decently well for him for that to like really matter. Um, and too often, um, you know, we're just not good enough in general. And so he, <laughs> the things that he brings don't really help. Um, so we, yeah, shove with Rudy light. Yeah. I mean, he certainly, certainly works much harder than Rudy in my opinion, but, yeah. um, yeah, so I mean, it's just it's just not ideal. But you're playing a four two three one, and and your wingers are Harit, who, I mean, he's looked okay out on the left recently, and there's been some success there. But he's not really a, you wouldn't say that he's a winger as his primary position, and you probably wouldn't call Shup really a winger either. This just goes once again to the poor squad planning, and like we're playing a formation for which our squad is not suited. Yeah, and a hundred percent, and uh, yeah, I, and I had this conversation with somebody. I don't know if it was on Twitter or where it was, uh, but it was about Alessandro Schoff. It might have been Reddit, and uh, the, you know, people they asked me about my thoughts on him. And I'm like, you know, just same kind of like kind of what you're saying. Like sometimes I think really good things about him. Other times I'm like, what the hell? Um, he certainly never lived up to the hype that he he came out with. And he's obviously has a lot of talent. Never quite made it to the, to the potential that he had. Um, at times he shows glimpses of that, and we're like, okay, he's got some stuff. He's got some obviously got some ball skill, can shoot it at times. But then other times he just disappears into the void, and you're like, is he even playing? Um, he, gets, he gets call ups to his national team and looks okay at times too. So it's just yeah. Yeah, it's weird the, the, the disparity between the, yeah, that and the club form. And I think you hit the nail on the head about the positioning, right? They play him in a position that he's really not maybe suited for, uh, not really a winger. And um, yeah, you do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do, and and try to do the make the best of your situation. But um, ideally, if if he was in a position more suited for him maybe he would have better results i don't know but uh it's it's always his career chalk has been uh it's, it's just been wafy i mean i don't know it's sometimes good sometimes bad it's just like nothing special it, just, whenever he's in the lineup it's never because he's like your first choice guy that you want in the lineup he's just kind of because that's who's available or, you know we, we need like some fresh legs or something he's never really been able to put together an, an, like enough of a run of form for you to say like okay this is actually is like a starting 11 player for us going forward or should be valued that way yeah, no, no, hundred percent. And uh, you know, I was happy otherwise with the lineup. Um, I was hoping I, I knew Huntelaro was not going to start in this one. Uh, it wouldn't make sense that he would start. I was hoping to see him earlier in the game than we did. Uh, but overall, you know, um, as the game unfolded, you know, the one question I have real quick: Were Serdar yeah. and and uh, Bosduan hurt or otherwise like ill or something? I doubt Bosduan will, but Serdar, I, th- I don't know. I know Harit, not- or not Harit, uh, Rahman was maybe injured before, but. Okay, because neither of them were in the match day squad, and I guess I just feel as though at the moment, like a Mascarell Stambouli, you know, holding midfield pairing is not my ideal. ideal. Yeah. yeah, maybe for either of them, but I, f- um, I feel like I heard Serdar got hurt in the Byron game last week. Um, okay. but maybe I'm just making this up, so I'm not sure. But um, I think the game started out well for us, right? Uh, the first half was. Certainly of the better of the two halves. It was very emblematic of the first half of last season where we looked good. Uh, I think at some point we were up to like 70% possession in the first half. We were not really doing much with our chances. I mean, probably some of the better chances came from uh, Timo Becker and maybe uh, Harit from 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 distance. Um, nothing really that threatened Pavlenka too much. Uh, but I think we had good possession. We kept trying to cycle out to the ball uh, to the right-hand side to Jake's point, you know, our buildup in the first half, it confused him. It felt like we kept trying to force it up to the right-hand side with Becker and Schulp, rarely to the left with Sale and Harit. And I thought that was interesting because you would think you would want it on your – if you had to choose between the, between the two pairings, Sale and Harit are probably the better option. Um, I thought Harit was very quiet in this game, and part of it could have been because they kept focusing down the right-hand side with with Becker and Schulp. I don't know. Maybe they saw something in the buildup uh, to the game that they saw that that, that was the, the area to exploit, but – um, leaving Kolasinac uh, and uh, Harit 
pretty much left to themselves in the first half confused me despite that though the first half ended well i mean overall it was fairly good i thought yeah i think that's an interesting point and and it's quite possible that maybe i just wasn't paying attention and didn't notice if, if bremen were taking specific actions to take that side of the field away which if they were i wouldn't be surprised because that's probably yeah. what i would do as well but um yeah, as you said, the 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 stack sort of of, of Becker and, and Shupf is is not your ideal, you know, uh, building mechanism. You, I mean, if you're going to go down one of the flanks, it would almost certainly want to be, you know, Zayo and I mean, and that's that's part of the reason we brought Glasinich in anyways. At least in my opinion, is 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 the lack of contribution going forward from Ochipka early in the season, and so now you know the last couple games, it seems like Zayo is like contributions in those areas have dipped a little bit like his first game he made like a huge impact right and it's kind of been like tapering off a little bit and he's kind of been settling in so yeah, yeah i would agree like that yeah that that emphasis on the right hand side was um frustrating although i will give becker a little bit of credit because i do feel like he has been improving almost every game a little bit yeah. in terms of how competent he is combining with his teammates and actually getting a little bit further up and and, and offering a pivot that kind of thing so yeah. um I, I do think as time goes on he, he's he's doing a little bit better uh, we got a comment from Lars saying uh, playing Harid on the wing is a big mistake. He should be placed in the, with Ut in the tenth spot. Uh, our midfield is just not working out, and that's a, yeah, it's a fair comment. Uh, by the way, the, uh, shout out to anyone watching on Periscope, on Twitter, uh, Facebook, or here on YouTube Live uh, for our podcast. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair comment there by by Lars. Um, like I said, I you know having you know we said in the first couple of games when Harit was playing on the left hand side that he was finding his way into the middle and that game that Hoppy had the hat trick he kept going into the middle and created some good things and we didn't see that in the last couple of games certainly not in this game uh, it was fairly quiet for most of the game it was probably not until uh, the goal which we're going to really talk about that I even noticed he was on the pitch I was like oh yeah I forgot he was on the pitch at all uh, funny enough he was on the right hand side for this one it was a nice build up play by Schalke like I said that first half we had pretty good spells in, in the in the Bremen half and. Eventually, uh, Shope, you know, the ball was led up to the right-hand side. Shope gave it off to Becker. Becker gave it to Harit, of all people, on the right-hand side. And Harit finds Mascarell for the first goal of the season for him. Uh, nice play overall by Schalke. Nice finish by the captain. Or I don't even know who he's captain anymore. Uh, but uh, Harit, uh, you know, making making moves, getting being mobile, and uh, finding the open man there. Yeah, I mean, it definitely kind of became a little bit of a broken play a little bit later into it. Um, but uh, <laughs> Harid actually, I think, was was waiting for, for that pass for a while, and and he was kind of getting held up, and finally Becker decided to play it. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, really good awareness from Harid because he doesn't like take a lot of time to recognize and react to Mascarell calling for it, and he's not looking. He's looking like the opposite direction, right? right? So for him to you know turn his head in and fire that as quickly as he did. Uh, while that space was there, was uh, was impressive by him, and then it's it's a really nice shot from Mascaro. Who would have thought that that would be the goal scorer? Um, that was certainly an unlikely one there, but um, hits it well. And I mean, you love to see that little little of a trailing run late, arriving top of the box from midfielder, and um, makes no mistake about it, man. And you could tell he was really excited about it, it meant a lot to him. So good, good to see. And I think just a good play was, uh, I believe, it was Alexander Schopf who let the ball go by him. I mean, he he easily could have taken that ball and tried to take a shot there, but he let it go right behind him. Maybe he heard Mascarell calling for it, and like you said, Mascarell put it away. Very very good shot overall. Um, and so yeah, uh, going up one nothing, uh, holding on to that lead, uh, going into halftime. I felt good at that point. I thought we were playing the way we should have against Bremen. Um, if we could continue that going into the second half, I thought it would have been it could have ended with a good result. So um, I, I, as you know, I disagreed slightly because um, we yeah. talked. Yeah, I, I mean, we were talking in Slack yeah. at, at halftime briefly, and and my take was more that I, I felt like Bremen came out and 
just had very little activity of any kind. There, there was no ball pressure. I mean, like yeah. they, they were basically, you know, Sargent and Schmid initially were kind of setting up shop right at the midfield line, and they weren't actually trying to put pressure on the center backs with the ball. They're mostly sitting off and trying to cover the double pivot of, of you know, Stambouli and, and Mascarell and deny ball there and force it out to the wings, um, which is partially why so much of our buildup was down there. Um, but I didn't think they were convincing on the counter, and I just I just didn't think there was there was very little, very much energy going on at all from them. I, I was pretty shocked. I mean, like Kofelt looked like he was furious, and I was kind of with him. I was wondering like what was really going on, yeah. um, and so I was concerned that you know if they if they turned it around and actually got into this game, it was less about us really playing well and more that the game was just being handed to us. And so I was concerned about how we would react, and um, unfortunately, it kind of ended up going up on that way. Yeah, I mean, and to your and to your point, uh, it did seem like almost Bremen was like, "Hey, go go waste all your energy on us, and you know, come second half, we're going to turn it on and see if you can hold it, you know, withstand us." And uh, I mean, the second half was a complete opposite in terms of possession, in terms of attack. Um, the whole half, pretty much, so they were in our half, just constantly, you know, threat after threat. I thought Fairman actually had a pretty good game, and he's he's kind of been, you know, some people giving him the blame over this, you know, whole run. Uh, in the last, you know, since Gross has uh, Gross has been here, but he's been playing pretty, pretty, pretty well. I thought, and I thought in this game he had some big saves. Uh, had a big save late in the game that will, you know, the, you know, the it should be brought up, should be mentioned because it was a fantastic header. I think passing the sausage, uh, going top corner, and Fairman made a great save on that. But you know, overall, I thought he had a pretty good game. Um, I was wondering, you know, before they scored their goals, like when are we going to see Huntelaar? It's, it's getting late in the game. Um, you started to see him warming up in this around the 70th minute or so. And you're like, okay, what is he coming in? Is he coming in? It's still too late. I mean, I would run him on like 60, 65th minute. That's me though. Um, I'm obviously not a manager. I don't get paid for this kind of stuff, but you know, this is what I'm looking at. I want someone who can score on the pitch as soon as possible. Seemed like Hoppy was getting out of the game, wasn't getting fed the way he should be. And maybe Hunter could come on and, and change things up some way, dynamic and, and dynamicism, everything. Uh, but what we did see uh, constant pressure that, that say by Fairman was in the 75th minute. Uh, and I, when I saw that save, I said, okay, maybe this is our day. Stupid of me to think of that. Cause just two minutes later, they, they come down the pitch. Um, Rashitza, the man you talk about gets fed a nice ball, uh, holds the ball up. Well, finds the open man, Kevin, um, um, Moval, uh, and he shoots, he scores past Fairman. I thought it was a little bit of a weak goal to go up past Fairman, but, um, uh, goal nonetheless, a nice play, I guess, by Rashitza overall to hold up and find the open man. What were you, what was your thoughts on that play? Yeah, well, I mean, the two men you just mentioned, Rashitsa and then Moval, both came in at halftime, uh, yep. and those substitutions, I think, made a significant impact. And it's part of the reason that you saw that that shift in emphasis from Bremen in the second half. They're playing a much higher block, um, you know, much more aggressive in a lot of ways, more overlapping runs. Augustinson actually had some nice work as well, wide at times. Um, the thing that was funny about this Bremen goal is it's actually almost identical to the Schalke goal. Yeah. There's, a li- there's a little bit of a broken play that goes to the right side of the box, cuts back for a late arriving holding midfielder who then just kind of like one times it into the low. It's like almost an identical. Almost goal. identical. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was Same really weird. Man, goalkeepers um, is like, Argh. so I don't have much more analysis than whatever I gave to the master. <laughs> one, the same just thing. rewind and listen to that play again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if Fairman didn't see it quickly enough for what was going on. It was hit with a lot of conviction. It was placed really well. I just, um, I, I guess because I, I felt like Fairman's initial position was close enough to the near post anyway, that from that distance, he would have a good chance of, uh, getting something on it but um unfortunately it goes in and like you said it was just it was it was coming it was inevitable um i think there was there was a moment in like the 52nd minute early on i think it was off a corner perhaps where we failed to clear the ball like three consecutive times and then a ball fell for josh Sargent, who was wide open he just skied it yeah. and that was the moment where i was like okay 
This is what I was afraid of. They're turning up the pressure and we're immediately not handling it well. It's a comedy of errors. Harit like tries to kick the ball clear, fails. Becker (laughs) tries to kick the ball clear, fails. Somebody misses a header. And I'm just like, this is not going to, this is not going to end well. And um, luckily for Fairman was standing, standing on his head that he, you know, kept it at, you know, uh, at zero at that point, but uh, yeah, yeah, he had that one save, but I think it was Osaka on the header, yeah, he came, in, header, for, he came in from Sargent, and that was a good substitution too because I thought Osaka was causing a lot of problems. And uh, yeah, he had a brilliant header to the uh, like upper 90 that Fairman, yeah. like cat like save, and somehow kept it out. So that was that was ridiculous. And once again, that's that's I mean, there's certain goalkeepers that are better at certain things, and I think Ralph Fairman's strength has always been first and foremost shot stopping, and he, he's, yeah. he showed it a couple times in the last few matches. Yeah, no, I, I agree about that. Uh, Lars says, I wonder what Gross told his players at halftime. It was actually shocking how bad we look in the second half. Not one single shot in that second half. And I think uh, most of it has come down to what you said is like, you know, Verder decided to turn it on. Kofeld, you know, was furious, you know, before going into halftime at his players. And I'm sure he said something to turn him up. But as soon as they turn on the game, it seems like we just back away. And I don't know if that was the game plan or just Verder is that much better than us uh, in the game. But uh, it did seem look like we were just trying to, defend our lead which is never a good idea considering how our defense is um and then uh you knew Bremen was kept attacking i was like i was worried they're gonna get a second goal they did get a second goal through Egestine uh in the last minute of stoppage time luckily for var the one time this year that it's been on our side they called it a, you know offside is correct by fraction but it was an offside goal uh so we end up one one in that game um and that goal was sort of a broken play goal as well. So I actually do feel in some way that would have been kind of cruel if we had conceded through that. Yeah. Although, I mean, there's several people that you can point to. Malik Chow didn't cover himself in glory on that play. Um, I actually, <laughs> when when that goal went in, I actually turned off the stream. Um, <laughs> so for about 30 minutes after that, I thought that we lost until <laughs> and, until I hopped back on Twitter and realized that, that VR had taken it. But I was just like, I, I can't. I mean, because this had just happened in the Cologne game. I was like, I guess seen like, again. Yeah, the number of times that we've lost a result in stoppage time, it's what, three or four times now this season? It's incredible. Um, and these are the kind of things you just can't can't have happen. I mean, the, based on the first half, we should have won this game. And the fact that, I mean, I don't care if, if Bremen turns up the pressure. The fact that they turn up to the extent where they're out shooting, it's like 13 to zero, whatever it was in the second half, is just inexcusable. There's too much collective talent on the pitch to, to, to have that like non-existent of a performance in the second half after what happened in the first half. It's 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 so bad. Um I do want to talk about what Jake mentioned in the chat real yes. quick. Yes. Yeah. So um, Jake brings up a good point here, which is that uh, when was that? It was like 60 something minute. No, 70th minute, maybe right around. I think, there. It, was like, I think it was 65th or something. When, um, William, William came in for him. Yeah. So odd, yeah. odd swiper swapper there. Yeah. So this is, this is before Bremen had scored. Correct. Yeah. The initial Absolutely. goal. So yes. this point we're still, we're still winning the game. And so it, it's very much a defensive substitution where he brings in our new signing um, for Harit. And uh, I, I guess I would have preferred to move him centrally and take Ud off because Ud was ineffective. I, in the game. I thought Ud was very poor, especially in the first half. Like I, I thought he killed a lot of moves for us, had some misplaced passes and, and a lot of backwards passes when it wasn't necessary. Um, and then unfortunately, as Harit's leaving the pitch, um, once again, petulant, throws his gloves down, um, you know, making a scene. And uh, you know what? Like, I'm kind of tired of it at this point. Like, you can disagree with the substitution. I disagree with the substitution as well. But, like, you didn't play particularly well that game. And you you had 70 minutes. He didn't sub you in the 20th minute. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, you got most of the game. Like, this guy needs to grow up at this point. He was non-existent for the whole game except for the one play that led to a goal. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I'm tired of people protecting this guy just because he's, he's talented sometimes, yeah. but like, like, I mean, it, I like him. I just, this kind of stuff has to stop these kind of like, I'm going to throw my gloves down because I got substituted after 70 minutes in a game. I didn't play well. Like what, what yeah. are you doing? This is You're not, not Neymar. You're not Neymar. Right? Yeah, let's, let's, we only need to be pulling in the same direction. Like, come on, let, let's, let's, let's not do this. Yeah. And I, you know, William uh, would come on, he would go over to eventually to the right-hand side, play with Becker uh, as a, you know, combo there. Uh, we did eventually see Huntar, uh, Huntalar in this game. He came in in the 80th minute or something crazy. Another uh, Katucci-like su- substitution there late in the game. Ineffective pretty much because he had no time to do anything. Um, so Jake agrees with your with your comment there. Um, and, I mean, yeah, I, I do our thing. It's like a Katucci sub because it's it, he comes on when the game's already completely out of control. I mean, yeah. it's, one thing, it's one thing if the game was something like it was at the end of the first half or early into the second half. By the time Huntelar comes on, we're just being overrun. We've already made a couple of defensive substitutions. The first thing Huntelar does is, is commit a really bad foul for a yellow card and give him a free kick like right at the edge of the box. And I was like, please don't let them score that. That's not what I want yeah. his first contribution to be when he comes back. Um, yeah. Hopefully we see more from him in the near future and he has an opportunity to actually impact something. Maybe in a cup game because we had a cup game against uh, Wolfsburg here coming up on Wednesday. So, uh, you know, William brings up a good point. He said uh, he seems he's been struggling since his return from injury, it seems. And I agree with him. It's like ever since that head injury, which he was our best player by far this season, all of a sudden he just is non-existent in the game. And granted, we got some better, some better players around him. And we made that point a couple of pods ago where maybe with better players around, with the other focus, he kind of disappears and maybe on bad teams, he's really good. I don't know, but he had, it has been strange that, you know, since his injury, he has not been performing the same way. And uh, maybe just take him out of that 10 roll, put her in the 10 roll. If he's going to be allowed back on the team uh, and then find another place for, Ut. maybe Ut goes on the right-hand side and put somebody else on the left hand, Ramon on the left-hand side. I mean, you could, you could do different things here. Yeah, I was surprised that Ut got a full 90 in that game, to be yeah. honest. Compared to yeah. some other people. Um, Laura says, I don't think we've ever managed to defend a one Olita. It's probably been a decade since we did that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, once, uh, when, when Brayman did score that goal, the goal that got taken away, uh, I was like, of course. And that was, of course, Agustin, right? Cause he's, he's a tormentor of Schalke. Um, but you know, I was, I was, I didn't turn it off like you did, but I was upset. And I was like, okay, we lost, you lost. I knew he was going to VAR. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's a goal. And they called call it back. Like, Pfft. Okay, I'll take it. I mean, one point's better than none at this point. But uh, even yeah. without that late winner from Bremen, though, it still kind of feels like a loss based on, you know, you have the early lead for once. You have a pretty dominant first half. Now, once again, arguably different reasons for why it was dominant. But yeah. second half then, I mean, just, yeah, the fact that we had already conceded it and they had that kind of momentum and we just collapsed again in the second half, it was already kind of felt more like a loss than a, than a, than a, a good point picked up, in my opinion. And another reason for why it felt like a loss because we are currently in 18th spot, last spot, and uh, a team yeah. that holds the last relegation spot is Armenia Bielefeld, excuse me, and they're nine points ahead of us. Uh, that's three wins that we can't seem to, we can't even get two wins at the moment. Uh, that seems like a steep hill to climb, and every week it seems like it's getting worse and worse. Um, I mean, if Armenia and Hertha win another game here in the next you know week or so, it's not going to look pretty, and we obviously got Leipzig on the horizon after exactly. Wolfsburg. It's a, it's going to be a torturous, you know, next week here for us. And uh, I mean, maybe there, maybe the substitution to uh, Lars's point was to save him, or somebody, somebody said it. Uh, Leeson, Leeson six said, uh, you know, save him for the cup game. Maybe, maybe, maybe Huntelaar is going to get more match time then. But um, we need to win. We need to win. We can't. I, I like the DFB. I mean, if anyone knows, I don't know, Jack. Do you know what happens if you win the DFB Pokal? Does anybody get anything? I th- I thought you qualified for the Europa League. Yeah, 
I believe that is the case. Um, and I, and I, I don't know if there's restrictions on that if you were to be relegated. I still think <laughs> I was going to ask. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you win the default count and you go down, I, I still think you qualify for the Europa League. So, I mean, that would be th- – this is the question. This is the question now. In my opinion, you absolutely have to prioritize the league. Yes. But, 100%. like, if you feel like the league is a lost cause at this point, which which is a valid opinion, I don't necessarily feel that way yet, and I don't think we should be approaching it that way yet because we need to do everything we can, in my opinion, to avoid this. But if that is your opinion and you do think we're already, we're already going down, then it actually may make sense to prioritize the DFP Pokal in the sense that Bayern's not in it anymore. I mean, not that you would expect us to win it in the form that we're in, but like, who knows? The magic of the cup, something could happen, and that revenue from the Europa League could be helpful when we're down in this fight to Bundesliga next season. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I still think we need to not care about this game against Wolfsburg that much. But at the same time, it's like Leipzig's on the weekend; you're not winning that one either. Might as well just pick one and go at it. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's complicated. Mainz did beat Leipzig, but yeah, we're not going to beat Leipzig. I mean, it's going to take a real, a real, a, a crazy, best effort of the season, best effort in the last two years to beat Leipzig. I think uh, that's a that's a tall task. I think, and uh, yeah, I mean, you can you can relegate yourself to or land to the fact that yeah, we're not going to do well. We're not going to get any kind of European spots this year. But the team should not be saying, "Hey, we're we're done. We're going to fight the Bundesliga." It should not. The Bundesliga should be the main focus at this point, or saving relegation it should be the main focus at this point. And to hell with DFP Pokal or whatever the hell else. If you think you're going to win it, great. But there's still some pretty great teams in the tournament, despite Bayern being out. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I I give Holson Kiel a better chance at this point than we do. So, um, which is sad yeah. to say, totally uh, but, you know. But so I think you need to focus. And they could they certainly could have had a win against Bremen had they. Uh, maybe change the tactics that came out in the second half, made some better substitutions, not necessarily, you know, go defensive. And William is an offensive substitution in a sense, but he's a defender for, for an attacking player. It doesn't jive to me. And, you know, wait until, wait until late to bring on Huntelaar and some other substitutions. And he wasn't playing as a defender either. That's the thing. So it's not yeah. only bringing on a defender for an attacking player. You're bringing on a defender for an attacking player and having the defender play as a midfielder. Yeah. yeah. Because there's a lot of times late in that second half where it was becoming a 5-3-2 in defense where Stambouli was dropping into the back line and there's this midfield three of like a defensive midfield pivot with like, you know, William and somebody else on either side. Bujalab, I think was one of them. Can we um, win the uh, Europa League in this fight of Bundesliga? <laughs> I don't Can know. Can we get the Champions League bid in the, in the, in the third league? <laughs> I mean, probably. Yeah, I mean, the, whole, I, I, the thing is, I don't care about the Euro. I just want the Europa League like, qualification revenue is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's got, you got, you got more than we're getting. Yeah, I mean, the, the team isn't showing us a whole lot that would suggest that they're capable of, of overcoming this deficit at this point. But yeah. at the same time, plenty of games to play. So, I mean, I, I think, yeah, their focus still needs to be on the league and, and we still need to maintain the belief that we can turn it around because technically it's possible and we totally could. And there's, there, there, I still defend that there is enough talent in this team to do it. Yeah. For whatever reason, it's just not happening, but it's there. So, yeah, no, I, I agree about that. And, and Lars says, we're going to win the Pokal, but get relegated at the same time. It could happen. It could happen, but uh, hopefully neither happen. Well, I don't care about the Pokal. I mean, it would be nice to win a Pokal, but glorious exit, uh, glorious exit, right? Yeah. Oh, but today is a uh, deadline day. Uh, some moves we were there were some moves we were hoping for. Some moves that we thought may could happen, may not happen. Um, it was interesting, interesting one, right? So uh, I'll share some. I'll share the screen here with the moves that did happen here. Um, moves that happened and moves that uh, people who came, people who left, right? So. Uh, first was the guy at the exits. Um, we obviously knew Fidel that Bisevich was his contract was torn up. Nick Tatsigui, same thing with him. He was uh, let go from the club. 
Uh, but in you know over this last month or so, Robbie Matanda would move to Stoke City on a loan. Um, the Free Catucci movement would move to Heracles Almelo uh, in the Dutch league, and he would get a assist in his first game there. And they've won their first two games since he's been there, but not, not really necessarily his fault uh, or his contributions, I should say. Uh, but the big fish, uh, Ozan Kabak, it was official today, moved to Liverpool uh, on a loan with the option to buy. Uh, the option to buy, I think, is for 30 million euros. Um, it's not an obligation, it's an option, uh, but all indications are that Liverpool will take that option at the end of the season, and um, if he, if they do, it will be a five-year contract, and I think it's going to be a loan of something like one and a half million to two and a half million euros, um, or pounds, I should say. Uh, first off, what, what are your thoughts on the move about Kabak to Liverpool? Well, uh, you know, not thrilled about it, obviously. Sure, uh, sure. It very much seems to be something that's being done for one of two reasons, possibly both, uh, one of which is just the financial situation of the club. Um, I mean, we got rid of Weston McKinney because of our, our need for that um, uh, that money. Um, and this, I'm sure this is obviously going to be a very helpful sum if we do sell those on Kabak. But um, the other, it, on the other hand, it, it almost kind of strikes me as like, like you know, a relegation thing. Like, where are you going down? Let's put him in the shop window and then try to like sell him to somebody. I don't know. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a little bit frustrating, but whatever. I mean, I, I believe in him still. Uh, he hasn't had the yeah. best year for us. And I think he's been um, at times a little bit immature, but that's going to come with the territory. He's still super young. I believe in his talent and I think he can have a great career. And uh, Schalke is just, I don't think it's the place for him at this point in time. Unfortunately, I was surprised that he joined us in the first place um, from sugar, given how badly we have been performing around that time anyway. Um, because he had been linked to bigger clubs. Um, and so this was probably always going to be a stepping stone. You would have hoped to see, hey, if we had been playing better qualifying for the Champions League, maybe we could actually hold on to this guy for a bit. But um, yeah, I mean, it's probably best for him that he moves on anyway. And, uh, you know, hopefully he gets some time with Liverpool and impresses and we can get a, a nice fee for the guy. Yeah. Um, last season, he was arguably our best defender. Um, one of our best players overall. I think he, he had some moments where he just looked like a dominant, dominant center back, you know, both offensively and defensively. This year, he's been quite the opposite. You know, struggled a lot. Um, didn't do well in many games. Had you know, had, you know, played okay, uh, but far from what we saw last season. And a lot, a lot of it, a great part of that is because we, the whole team has played poor. Um, so no one is going to look good. I don't, there's not many people outside of the goalkeepers that are going to look good uh, during this stretch of games for the team. Uh, even even them, right? Uh, so yeah, it was inevitable that they were going to lose, especially with the, the the massive amount of debt we're in. We were have to start, sell some players. And I remember seeing you saying something. I don't remember where it was. Uh, but uh, you know our two biggest assets, you know, going to this year was Weston McKinney, who we we loaned with a with a with a option to buy, uh, and now Ozan Kabak, right? Uh, so that was almost the inevitable uh, for that to happen. Uh, so I'm not I'm not uh, I'm upset because if the overall this kind of maybe feel like a downgrade, uh, maybe it's more time for Tiao. One of the questions we got uh, from uh, from Jake on, on Twitter uh, said, uh, you know, now with Ozan Kabak moving on. Uh, do you think this would be more time for Malik Tiao to get more starting time or instead of Mustafi? Because not many people, Mustafi is the other person who came from Arsenal, tore up his contract. Arsenal, we get him on a free to the end of the season. Um, first, your thoughts on uh, the possibility of Tiao getting more minutes at center back and then uh, on, the, on the move for Mustafi? Uh, he could. Um, 
he's been in a couple of different positions. We saw him come into like defensive midfield late in the game against Bremen. Yeah. Right back as well. He's versatile defensively. Exactly. So um, I, I don't know how much this particular move impacts his playing time. Um, Salif Sane is probably coming back at some point anyway. So he Hopefully. would probably get the nod ahead of, of Malik Chow. And as you said, Malik Chow is versatile enough where he's going to get opportunities at various times, I think, regardless. Um, yeah, the Mustafi thing. So here's the thing for that. I mean, it's nice that this was facilitated in that way so that he could negotiate with us. So they tore up his contracts so that we didn't miss the deadline or anything like that. And we don't have to pay a transfer fee for him or anything. And, you know, but he's basically just joining us for, you know, the end of the end of the, uh, the end of the season and, and like credit to Schneider for obviously not just giving Kabak away without finding a replacement first, like credit to him for yeah. actually doing due diligence and bringing somebody else in. But, um, it's just hard to be excited about it because basically what we're doing is just absorbing our Teta castaways. I mean, like there's a bunch of players that are leaving Arsenal right now in this window. It's Mesodozio, it's Klosinek, it's, it's Mustafi. I think, I think maybe Willick and Maitland Niles might be on the move as well. Like there's a bunch of players that are leaving from Arsenal. And so these are not like, Hey, it's a great bit of business. Like, look who we just picked up. It's like, they don't want these guys. And, and Arsenal fans are actively celebrating the exodus of Mustafi at the moment. Yeah. Um. So what I'll say about this finally is like, if we get the very best out of this guy for a couple months, his best form, that's a great setting. And it's actually Absolutely. an improvement over Ozan Kabak because right. at times this guy has shown that he has, you know, great ability back, you know, 2014 World Cup and his his time in Spain prior to that Arsenal move when his when his you know his ceiling seemed to be very high. He just hasn't shown it consistently enough in his time at Arsenal. So I mean, who knows? I I hope that he's in, in better form or somehow the Bundesliga is more more his level than what the Premier League was or whatever, and he can actually help out and contribute. We'll have to yeah. wait and see. But on its face, it just seems like you know, super talented, young, promising center back in the shop window for, you know, a 28 year old who we're probably actually not going to sign permanently. It's just, yeah. yeah. Tough. Oddly enough, the German international is uh, first time playing for a German team, I think. So that's an interesting one there. Um, I like what Lars says, or I agree with what Lars says about Kabak. Uh, it seemed like all season long, the Kabak, his head was already joined with another team. It wasn't seem like he was in it completely. And we saw that we saw those random red cards and yellow cards almost every game. Something he was doing that that seemed like he wasn't quite there. And, I, and and maybe just me looking at it, or maybe just Lars looking at it. But that's what it seemed like, at least from from afar. Um, so um, a name that we thought was going to go. Um, well, we'll get we'll get to that person here. Uh, let's look at the, the the players that did come in. Obviously, we know Kolasinac is in. Uh, Mustafi Huntelar, uh, William that we talked about last week. Uh, Matthew Hoppy did sign an extension. Through 2023, so at least we're not going to lose him on a free um, right now. So yeah, I mean it's good, it's good. I'm, I'm glad about that. Go ahead. We're not lose him on a free yet. I mean, yet. We, yet. <laughs> it's almost certainly going to happen. But yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that, that's a good bit of business there. And I think overall, kind of like what you said, if you know, if if we end up not getting relegated, and all these moves by Schneider are going to look really good, right? Because we got a bunch of players for free: Huntelar, Mustafi, Kolasinac, William, um, guys who we don't have to necessarily pay right now. It's going to look good, but if we don't, obviously it's going to be like, okay, I mean, it's still a bit of decent business there, I think, um, overall. But I think the one thing, the one chip that we all thought was certain was going to happen outside of Abisevic was uh, Nabil Bentaleb. We thought that he was going to move on to another team. That was almost a guarantee to everybody, every person in Schalke Nation. Uh, and then uh, deadline day came and went, and uh, he's still a Schalke player. Um, what the heck? I, I thought Harit, I thought it was a like chance of Harit to leave than him. Or I mean, what? I'm call, I'm calling it right now. We're gonna have Huntelar and Nabil Bentaleb in the starting XI in, against uh, Volsburg. Both are gonna score. In the <laughs> um, as far as I'm aware, and correct me if I'm wrong, we still have received zero details as to why Nabil Bentaleb was was suspended earlier in the year. Yeah, 
have we did i did i just miss that um we had some we had some you know indication of what, what the reason was for harit but bentaleb it was always kind of a mystery there didn't seem to be a lot of transparency around that yeah. um yeah so i i don't know but that, yeah, it's it, interesting that you mentioned because like you said they, they did say that they expected him to find a club is it that no one wants him and we're just like really struggling to, to find somebody that can move or uh i know they, there were some uh seria teams that were interested in him uh but uh, maybe the prices they they wanted less and Chalco were trying to you know get too much i don't know and they finally said yeah now we're done we're good we're not we're not gonna take him that's the only thing I could think of. And I can't imagine that would be the case, though, because th- they have no plans to play him anyway. So you'll take whatever you can get from him at this point. Otherwise, it's just a you know dead ass that you're going to lose eventually. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's first it, out of all the moves that happened or uh, didn't happen. I thought this was the most strange one because I thought for certain if he's not playing, he's not even involved in the first team. Why are you going to keep the guy around? You're just paying the guy for nothing. Maybe someone can take him off your hands, and and I don't know. It and you like, thought it would happen earlier in the window too, yes, because he had time yes. to prepare for and like and be talking to clubs and be shopping him out in advance of the window. So once you got like a week or two into it, and you're like, haven't heard anything on that. That's kind of concerning, right? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, the spare wheel says, uh, "It's is it short sighted that all the January signs have been only for the until end of the season?" I think it's. I, I don't. But a little bit, yeah. But I think you know, there's also that. What, what if we do uh, get relegated? And they don't want to have these these players on the books, right? You would rather go into this fight the boons like if you had to with less players on the books, and then you have some freedom to to do something with the youngsters. Maybe, I mean, it's kind of like Arsenal's situation where they're trying to just offload people that they can't afford anymore. I mean, my understanding is that there's been comments that have been made recently that suggest that if we do get relegated, we're fire selling the squad. Oh yeah, like, it'd, be, it'd be Shaka too, basically. So I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't have any of these people anyway, is what I'm saying. I mean, like, yeah. like so, like Mustafi wouldn't have come if he was signing more than you know just the end of the year. You know, what I mean, that, 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 that these things are yeah. conditional. Hoopsler's retiring, yeah. So I mean, he's not. So you're not going to sign him either way. And then in Colosino, Colosino. Only, yeah, I mean, he, he probably still has ambition. I don't know. Maybe maybe he is going to stay here. It doesn't seem likely. I, I, I yeah, it's like he might still have ambitions elsewhere. Uh, who knows? But. Yeah, it's it's not fun to think about because yeah, it just sounds increasingly like we're kind of gearing up for this, and it's not going to be pretty, and it's going to be a very different looking team and a whole situation. Yeah. yeah, we need to find some wins, and we need to find a fast. Like I said, we're nine points behind uh, Bielefeld for that last relegation spot, or you know, even the fifteen spot. Both yeah. those spots are tied at seventeen, and we're at nine or whatever seven. Um, it's it's not looking good. We need some wins, and you know. The game coming up after Wolfsburg is going to be Leipzig. Um, oh, joy, exactly. I mean, first, uh, the Wolfsburg game is not going to be easy whatsoever. We hope, like you said, maybe we'll probably see some Benteleb or Huntelar or some other guys, Boz Duan, maybe some guys we haven't seen during the season. Um, I What I tell you what I definitely don't want to see is the same starting 11. That's just yeah. me. Especially we got Leipzig ahead because, I, uh, like we both said, the, the league should be the focus, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we'll see. Uh, what happens with Wolfsburg on on the on the on the midweek? But um, yeah, Leipzig big game. Um, it's not going to be easy at all. Yeah, we saw the recipe of how Mainz did it, and some other teams have done it. They've uh, not won every game. They're still obviously still contending for the Champions League spot. I think the the title is pretty much said and done at this point. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not going to be easy. They got a super amount of talented guys. They're fast. This is what we talked about the last time we played them. Um, they just tore us a bit under Bomb's first game. Um, and you got to expect much of the same, right? And the question is, can we keep them under two goals? And can we score? Uh, you know, start. I mean, I almost rather have Suntelar start this game, <laughs> that game, and then the the Wolfsburg match. But I mean, it doesn't matter. I want to see him play, but no matter what. So, uh, what are your thoughts about uh, Leipzig coming up? 
I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, what do you want? What do you want to say? I mean, like, I mean, we don't have. Is the there life- a weakness on this team that maybe we can exploit? I mean, if we if only we had Leipzig killer, noted Leipzig killer Robbie Matondo, but he's you know taking his talents to cold, wet nights in Stoke now. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I expect to lose this game. I expect to lose most games we're playing at this point in time. Uh, Leipzig is, is a difficult challenge, uh, under any set of circumstances. Uh, you would hope that we would improve over our performance in the Henrida, just because as you said, that was extremely early in the Manuel Baum's tenure. Um, he had like what, two game, two days to prepare for that game before he got thrust in there. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot that he could have done. And maybe now that we're facing them on the back of Christian Gross being here for, for a little bit and getting something going, um, you know, maybe he'll have something, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I it, it's, it's Bayern last game, right? You know, and yeah. then it, it's it's Leipzig, it's Dortmund. This is this is not a good run of games for us. We're probably going to lose. These next four games are all against top ten teams: Wolfsburg, You need the Bremen and Union Berlin points. We already screwed the Berlin. I mean, it's just yeah, it, it's becoming increasingly difficult for me to be optimistic. And yeah, we're yeah. playing that gauntlet again that uh, we were worried about in the beginning of the season. Now we're here in, this, in the Henry, in the uh, Rook Run, excuse me, and uh, doing it all over again. Right? Life comes uh, at you fast. It does, and it does. Uh, we have a more important question, though, that came from the chat here, and I think it's important that we answer it here. Jack, what bourbon are you drinking these days? I mm. may need to buy stock in that brand with how shocker are playing currently. At the moment, I'm actually drinking uh, red wine, um, Spanish oh, wine. Is it? Oh, okay. Actually, uh, it, looks like, it looks like bourbon, and that is because this is kind of a – this is a glass from um, – it's called Cooper and Thief, which is a wine that's aged in bourbon barrels. So the glassware that came with the bottle is sort of like a bourbon glass. Oh, okay. Yeah. So nice. I'm sorry for the confusion. Um, Jake, DM me or something. I'll give you. I'll give you a list of of, of bourbons you can look at. <laughs> you, you can't have. I'm gonna start rambling longer on that than I normally do on most things soccer related. If you get me on that, so. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. Uh, the game's not gonna be pretty coming up uh, on the weekend. Probably either game, really, honestly. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, curious what you guys think about uh, these couple games coming up here, the Polkal and against Leipzig coming up on the weekend. Uh, Jack, anything else you want to talk about before we get on out of here? No, that's it. On to the next one. Pray for some cup magic. Pray for some cup magic. Uh, so anything can happen in these Polkal matches. Obviously, we saw with Holsten Kiel against Bayern, anything can happen if you if you do show up. So we'll, we'll see what happen, happens against Wolfsburg. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you sign up for the Schalke U.S. newsletter. Uh, not only do you get info on the club and all the all the fan clubs in around the U.S. and Canada, uh, but you'll even get information on our podcast. So just uh, submit your email address and you'll get them monthly, as I mentioned. Uh, keep tuning in each week as we bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. Uh, if there are any topics you would like us to discuss, uh, just tweet us at Schalke America. Uh, we'd like to give a special shout out to uh, everyone in the chat. Uh, thank you for all the questions and comments tonight. Uh, you guys have brought it again. Uh, loving it. Uh, Jack, uh, where can our followers find you on social media? At J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. It's not M-A-G-A-N. Nope. <laughs> uh, right on. And as always, you can follow me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N on uh, pretty much anywhere, Twitter, anywhere. So uh, make sure you do that. Uh, until the next podcast comes, my friends, stay ready. Have your drink ready to poke out Wednesday, Leipzig, Saturday. We'll talk to you then. Shoes.